Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Um, we're we're joined again by our guest host, Dr. Nate Francis, Corey, Jack, Corey Jackson, and Jackie Rao. Um, in today's episode, we are talking about developing leaders around you. I know we've touched on it in our a few episodes back about the development of the people and how we need to help, but let's really take a deep dive on how we go about developing the leaders around us and it's important. Who would like to start us off? I can start us off. Go ahead, Jackie. Go ahead, Jackie. Um, You know, this is a conversation Jamal and I have had a lot um, about developing, developing the people, um, in our, in our building to be leaders, because we can't do this job alone. Right. Right. Like we just can't. Um, and if we, or if any principal, um, tries to own all of the work without surrounding themselves with the right people, um, and training up leaders to, to, to own the work with them. Um, I don't even know that we'd make it through a full year before we, you know, got burnout and had to, you know, find something else to do. Um, so building, building the, the leadership capacity in your building, I think is, is one of the most important things that we'll do, <clears throat> Um, because the work isn't going to move forward if we're the only ones trying to do it. Right. I think it um, starts. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your train of thought. No, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, for me, one of the strategies that um, I, I, I implemented in my school here was that to retool modify or revamp that PLC process. Um, because in those conversations, I found that that's when you see some of those leadership capacities and others begin to come out via those conversations. And so from there, I kind of use that platform to then you know, strategically select that teacher or those teachers who could then lead the charge on their grade level per se. And then from, from there, um, really, really have some one-on-one, one-on-ones about their their professional growth, where they want to grow, where they want to go. And so I think that the use of that PLC platform has really helped me develop teacher leaders. Um, and, and when I say PLCs, I'm talking about from grade level PLCs to ESC PLCs to my, you know, support staff um, PLCs. And so really having those, those set times to where I'm meeting with those teacher teams. And then from there, having those strategic conversations to those individuals who really demonstrate a take charge kind of attitude. And then from there, begin to weave in some of those leadership capacity conversations, some of those tasks that they, they can then demonstrate their leadership abilities. And so I really have used that PLC platform to really develop individuals. 
Yeah, I know when I first got to my school, I didn't know, you know, anybody. So it was important for me, one, to, to build relationships and two, to get to know my my staff. And one of the things that I did is I put out a, uh, a survey to my staff with a number of different questions, um, but a few of those questions related to building those leaders as far as um, programs that they would like to see implemented at the school, initiatives that they'd like to see take place for the following or for the upcoming school year, and then asking questions about their interest in spearheading or leading in one of those initiatives or one of those programs. Just by doing that, I was able to identify some people that were open to leading in uh, specific programs. Um, another thing that I was able to do was really talk to, take the time, like we've said, and talk to individual people, uh, individual teachers, and find what their passion is um, and see what they, what areas that they would be interested in leading in. Not everybody wants to lead, not everyone is a leader, no, not everyone wants to take on that responsibility. So it's important to find those people that are willing to take on those roles mm -hmm. and, and leverage those people. Because like we've said in previous episodes, being a principal, you can't do it all by yourself. You have to find those individuals on your team that are willing to do the lift with you and to lead with you. So I know that survey, putting that out was a big piece, a conversation starter for me. Now, having said that, um, as you get to learn your staff, mm -hmm. there may be some people that are wanting to lead that you may have some reservations about actually taking on that particular leadership role that they may have in mind. So also being um, having some discernment as far as what role best fits uh, a staff member. Um, not to say that you couldn't use that staff member in another role, but you have to be strategic in where you place uh, some people, depending on the leadership that the leadership role that you're looking for. Right. And just just to, you know, elaborate on this on this train of thought and developing <clears throat> leaders um, is it's extremely important to know who's who. But one of the things that I've conceptualized in my mind and Jackie, we've spoke about this at length is our schools are are more like gardens than anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that, you know, in order for a garden, you know, to grow whatever it is that you plant, um, we don't control the rate that it grows. Um, we have to make sure that there's enough sunlight, there's soil, all of the stuff, water, you name it, you have to ensure those things happen. And then sometimes the stuff in your garden won't grow. But I think as leaders, it's extremely important for us to create the conditions in which our leaders can grow. Because I think a lot of times we spend a, we spend a lot of time focusing on um, developing the capacity of teachers or all of the other things. But I think one thing that is neglected um, systematically is the development of leaders. And if you, if you look at just the training that's out on leadership development for just assistant principals, for example, or instructional coaches, uh, some of those positions, or even teacher leadership, what does that actually look like? Um, you'll be hard to find something that is substantial and that makes sense. Um, there's a lot of rhetoric on, you know, being a better leader and just, you know, stepping up to the plate and doing what's right. 
there's a lot of jargon and buzzwords around those things. However, I think it's important for us to, uh, as leaders, to detail how we go about um, developing our leaders. And, and I'll start with a strategy that I, that I use um, <clears throat> for, the, for developing leaders. I, two things, I spend time with them understanding what their thought process is and checking in with them and then also allowing them to fail and celebrating their success mm. what, are, what are some and, and and i'll elaborate on that in in a second but what are some things that you all do to ensure that your leaders are developing around you i think providing the opportunity like you said jamal yep. kind of to to have have them feel free and 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 not be afraid of the failure right mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't want to take on leadership roles because they're scared they might screw something up so providing leaders uh, a support and a comfort level to where it's going to be okay you know um, you're going to give them that freedom to make those decisions and if and if it fails then it's going to be fine We're, we'll go back to the drawing board and and we'll we'll figure it out but you're going to be there to support them along that path i think is very important to do um, with uh, both administrators and our teachers um, i have some new administrators actually my entire administrative staff is brand new as well so providing them opportunities to lead and if they and if they don't do if the, their idea doesn't work out or their system that they tried to implement needs to um you know be worked out then that's fine it's not a it's not an emergency it's not something that we're gonna overreact about we're gonna go back and look at what needs to be readjusted and move forward from there like my my uh my first year as an assistant principal 2011 my principal said to me she said i want to be able to leave this building and not receive a single phone call from you or anybody else I'm going to teach you how to be a leader, how to lead this school, lead this building when I'm not here mm. and when I'm here. And so that's been um, one of the one of the things I, I have lived by lived by since I've gotten, as I said, my first three years here now, I finally have an AP. And mm. you know, I want to make sure that that she has had opportunities to lead the building whether it's right. again, leading committees, leading initiatives, mm -hmm. but present her with those opportunities because a person can't fail and can't succeed if you don't give them opportunity to lead something or to, to, or to, or, or, or to facilitate something. So give her, I've, I've tried to give her as many opportunities to lead something, to develop that capacity so that when I'm not there, it's her building. Um, and then, and the teacher, um, in the teacher area, I would say same thing. A teacher can't fail, um, can't succeed if you don't present them with with small scale opportunities to lead. And it could be grade level, it could be a, a, a parent initiated activity, but allow them the opportunity. And so once you give those, but you you also have to give guidance. And so as you present these opportunities, you must also be there for that feedback to guide, um, to support. And so I think the word opportunity um, can be seen in both because a, a person can't demonstrate 
those leadership capacities or skills if you don't present them with opportunity to do so. Jackie, you got anything yeah. to add to that? <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with, you know, Corey, we have to give people opportunities. Um, and that's, that's first and foremost, right? Like if we don't give them the opportunity to lead, then they're, then we're not going to develop the leaders around us. I said, I think there's something also to be said about the culture in your building, right? Cause all of you have said <clears throat> like letting people know it's okay to fail. Mm. Right. But if the culture, you know, walking into a, a school as a first year principal, a school that I haven't been at before, um, you know, I walked into a culture where perfection was the expectation. Ooh. And, um, you know, if, 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 if the, if people couldn't um, do it the way that the way it was supposed to be done, then, um, then it would be, you know, taken away from them. And so rebuilding that culture um, or building a culture in your building where, where you're, where, where you tell your staff and model for them that it's okay to fail. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'll make mistakes too. It's okay. We're going to fail forward. Um, but having right. to, you know, having that culture in place um, and living that out is, is a way of developing your leaders, right? Um, showing them that it's, that, that that's okay. And that they're not going to be in big trouble. They're not going to be removed from something because they made a mistake. Um, but, you know, not every school is going to have that culture already. Right. And so having that, that takes time too to build that culture where developing leaders can try things and have opportunities and make a mistake and it's okay. We're going to, we're going to work through it together. Um, so there's, you know, I think there's something to be said about the culture in the building mm -hmm. um, and changing that culture so that it, so that you can develop the leaders in your building. So before we move on, uh, Jackie, uh, in some of our conversations, you talked about a really neat delegation tool that you use. If you can remember, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. So I use um I use a delegation roadmap. Um, I got it. I got it in a training I went to. Um, it comes from some author, and I I can find it and and share it. So I'm not taking any credit for this um, at all. But it's a tool that I use, and basically. <clears throat> it's, it's just a form, uh, like a, a, a form, um, that says like, what is the task that, that I want done at the top? Um, it, I'll put a timeline on there. There's a space to put a timeline, um, like a due date. Um, and then there's just some questions on that roadmap that, um, that make me think about, what are my expectations for this task, whatever it may be. Um, and so I have to think through like all of my expectations and put them down in writing. Um, and then I provide that to whoever I'm delegating that task to. <clears throat> and so, um, and then, and then I'll meet with them. And there's space there to like ask questions about my expectations. Um, because I think that one of the things that, that people in general don't do well when they're delegating or myself. Okay. So I'll just speak for me. Um, you know, is, is 
being really clear about my expectations. I don't care how the work gets done, but I have a vision for what it will, you know, what the end goal is, right? Maybe it's not going to look exactly the way I want it to look. And that's okay too. We have to be okay with that when we're delegating stuff to people um, that, that they're going to put their own little spin on it. But if I don't give them the parameters in a clear and concise way, they're never going to hit the target. Mm. Right. Um, because I'm, cause I'm, you know, they don't know what to do. I'm, you know, you give them something and there's, there's, you know, a million ways to, to do different things. I was going to say there's, you know, different ways to skin a cat. That's a terrible, um, analogy, but like, you know, maybe they don't choose the one I wanted or whatever, you know? So if I don't set the expectation, then the outcome isn't ever going to be what I, what I want. Um, and so I use that delegation roadmap. I think it's a fantastic tool. Um, I use it, I use it with all of my, um, assistant principals when I'm delegating stuff to them, I use it with different committees. Um, and that way it, everything is clear. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a space to like have regular meetings and, and things like that on that, on the delegation roadmap. It's a, I think it's a fantastic tool. Right. And you, you said a lot there and it kind of prompted a few different things, but I think it's important that as, as we develop the, the leadership capacity on our campus, there's two things. Number one is providing clarity. And I think a system like that, um, definitely helps people be clear about what it is that we're doing, where we're going, because I think that's one of the hardest things in education from from leadership across is being clear about the song that's playing in our head and then Mm -hmm. giving them that space and opportunity um, to ask questions. I think the other thing is, uh, and I think this is something that stifles a lot of school principals or or administrators, you know, wherever, or just any type of leadership is is the the feeling that I need to control everything mm-hmm. or or and or are my are the people that are supporting the leadership are they gonna outshine me? And let's let's maybe talk to that human part of us. What what would you say to um, a principal that may be struggling with just controlling everything and making sure that things are done in the way that they want it. How do you, what, what do we say to a principal that's struggling with control? Well, Jamal, one of my biggest struggles as a leader, and I've improved, I've had to improve as a principal, but one <laughs> of the things that I've, I've struggled with is delegation. And part of that delegation was for the fact that I didn't trust that people could get it done the way I wanted it or that I could get it done. And I know a lot of people, a lot of our type A personalities and people in these roles feel the same way. No one's going to be able to do it better than how I'm going to do it or do it the way I want it done. So I'm just going to do it. Right. So that takes time and and self-talk to be able to trust people. Um, And I think it's so important what Jacqueline said about making sure that your parameters are clear. Um, and that you have a way to monitor whatever, you know, what's going on that program or that initiative or the work and a a way to monitor that. So you don't get to the end of the project or the program and, and it's completely off of what your expectations were or the parameters that were set. So I think monitoring that, 
um, and being okay having that system of delegation um, and being able able to again to monitor monitor those steps and be there for support um, is really is really helpful. It's been helpful to me. I will say we always have to be mindful of, of sustainability. Mm. Can That's you <laughs> can you sustain um, can you sustain it by having all the control? Mm. You know, we, and, and that answer is no. Um, you want to be because the school will be there after us, and so we want to create that system to where people feel empowered um, to be all hands on deck and support. Um, and not everyone's my A to B is is my A to B. You know, you have to trust that other people in the room can get to the same route, can get to the same destination, taking a different route. Yeah. And so it's always, you know, I try to think about it as, um, can I build something that's going to be sustainable? And so, and and the only way, in my opinion, that that can happen is if I have a team of folks who can do it, um, who who have them and not be afraid to. I've never had a problem with delegation, um, and and I say that because for a long time as an AP, you know, I was I was an AP to some very strong principles, and and I say strong because out of the two out of the three of them in the, in the buildings that I've been in, they've all gone on to be superintendents. Hmm. And so I know they have trained me up, talked me up and taught me how to do their job, to do their job and my jobs simultaneously. And so I try to live by that and, and, and make sure that I have a team around me of, of folks that I can, you know, can, can share some of this responsibility and, and, it, and you can't sustain it if you want to do it all by yourself. Um, you got to have those different perspectives in the room. And so me giving up some control, I don't think I've ever had a problem giving up some control, um, but I'm very quick. I'm not going to lie. I'm very quick to relinquish it. Um, mm -hmm. If um, if things, if the direction is not going the way I foresee it, um, because the buck stops with us. And so we always have to be mindful of that. Um, and so it's just that delicate balance that we have to be able to share some of that, share some of that weight, um, but also be mindful of at any given moment, if you you may be forced to intervene and 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 take some of it back. Yeah. Jackie, you got anything you want to add to that before we switch gears? Um. Yeah, delegating is delegating is uh, is is a hard thing when you're a little bit of a control freak, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like Nate said, like a lot of us are Type A, we're we're Type A personalities, and that's kind of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to agree with Corey that sustainability has to be the end goal. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be the end goal um, because if we're the ones doing everything the school falls apart when we leave, right? Like, and maybe it's yeah. not gonna, it, <clears throat> and I, and you know, it's not gonna 
it's not going to crumble, but it's definitely not going to run smoothly, you right. know? And so <clears throat> if we're not building the capacity of the people around us, and if we're not building the systems, and again, I know we've like hit that, like we've used that kind of buzzword in almost every episode so far. Like if we're not building those systems where, where other, other leaders in our building are owning, owning the work, Um, we're doing a disservice to our staff. We're doing a disservice to our kids and to our community. Um, because then the next person that comes in after us has to rebuild from basically the ground up, you know? Um, and how do you move a school forward over time? If you have to rebuild every time a new leader comes in, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, Jacqueline, I think the uh, the definition of a good leader is that they have the, the ability to build the capacity of others around them. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that without without delegating those tasks and providing people with opportunities. The one thing that I would caution against, though, is making sure, and we probably all are familiar, have experience with this, about making sure that we're not burning people out. Absolutely. You have some staff members, some teachers that, or or we might've been them at one point, um, people in the audience that they just don't say no. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have uh, a couple of teachers on your staff that are willing to just jump into every committee and take on every program. And um, you have to be careful of those as well and make sure that, you know, those leaders that you do have on your campus, that you don't go to the extent to where you put so much on their plate that now they're they're done, they're burned out, and and they don't want to be a part of that anymore. So I think right. that's important in balance too, making sure when we're delegating that we're we are spreading that the work out evenly and not finding those two teachers or those two administrators that are willing to do everything mm-hmm. and just piling on to them. Nate, before we move forward, you mentioned uh in, in your previous statement about building trust. I know that you have um you, you, you have one-on-one meetings with your admin team. Can you describe to the audience what that looks like and how you use that as a tool to provide clarity and to build trust? Yeah, so with my administrative team, we do meet weekly one-on-one. We meet together as an administrative staff once a week, but then I, I meet individually with each of them as well. And it's just really 15 minutes. And what I do, or what I did at the beginning of the school year is there's a just a one-pager that breaks down the responsibilities of each administrative team member. My, my uh, responsibilities, everybody else's responsibilities, it's a one-pager that everybody has. My clerical staff has it. So if they have questions about who needs to be contacted for what, our teachers have it. Um, and then obviously we have it as administrative staff as, for a reference. Mm-hmm. And when I meet with my administrative staff, I go line by line uh, down their role, their roles and responsibilities and just get an update on, okay, how is this going? What's going on with our ILT group? Um, how did our SAL meeting go? Uh, my administrators are over a department. So I have one over social studies, another one over English. Um, they're responsible for doing walk, conducting walkthroughs through their classes. So I'll talk to them about what are some trends that you were able to identify as you walk through your classrooms. When you met with your subject area leader, were there any 
anything, any supports that they needed. So I asked those types of questions uh, from my administrative staff, again, going line by line specific to their jobs um, that, they're, that are delegated to them. Mm-hmm. And I also tell them because their lists are long as well. I have to preach the same thing to them. Not everything on their list is something they, that they have to do themselves individually. Mm-hmm. Many of their job responsibilities are then things, again, that get delegated down to your department heads or your subject area leaders or your team leaders. Um, so again, providing them those opportunities to delegate tasks. and to have those people initiatives that were taking place. That way I'm able to lead on all those things. So back up for us, I think you you cut out a little bit there. And the last thing we heard was delegate tasks. Can you kind of start from there and just uh, go back so we can get that audio? Delegating tasks for our my assistant principals, um, they have their tasks that I've I've written out on that one pager, um, but then that provides them opportunities for their roles that they're appointed to delegate those tasks to subject area leaders, department heads, uh, team leaders. So they are provided opportunities within their roles and responsibilities to also delegate some of those things as well. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that a little bit because that, that was going to be along the lines of, of, of the next question. What is it? What is feedback? Uh, to your leaders look like when you're giving them coaching and support on developing the leaders that fall under their roles and responsibilities? Wait, say that again. So, so what, what, what is, what does it look like for, for you at your school in developing your leadership team's capacity to develop the leaders that are under them? Mm. I, I think it's having conversations with them. Again, it's meeting with your people regularly, your your administrators, yeah. and and making sure that they have clear, you know, that your expectations of of what should be done is is um, adopted by them, and that they are able to articulate that to the people that they're delegating to as well. So everybody is on the same page, from the principal to the AP to the whichever teacher or staff member is being uh, delegated to take the lead on a particular um, area or program. So being on the same page and communicating that and making sure that they have systems in place, that they can articulate those systems in place that they have to make sure that their progress monitoring, whatever the role or responsibility is, um, and, and being able to progress monitor that and keep track of that. I'll share one thing that I, the one thing that I do, I started doing um, when I was a, an assistant principal in my last job is I, I do, I do book studies as well. Like I, I, I add everything that Nate says, but I'll use different books that I've read about leadership to start the conversation about a lot of different things. Um, one of, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, books to do a book study on is the Oz principle. And it talks about accountability at the, on the individual level, um, on organizational level and, and on a team level. It talks about the three levels of accountability. And sometimes I think uh, during the course of that, that book study, I learned about the leaders that 
that I was leading at the time and just having them develop their leaders was that um, they were afraid of pushback or they didn't really know how to deal with it. So it gave me the opportunity to speak with them about different things that they may have been struggling with that probably wouldn't have been unearthed unless we had like those different topics that we started our, our meetings with. So that's something that I think the, the, the people listening, if you want to consider that, if you don't have a set system or just a way, start with a book study and you read a chapter, read a chapter before your, your, your weekly meeting or your biweekly meeting and have them reflect on those thoughts. And you'd be surprised what things come out, especially if you have something that you want them to grow into and develop into. Right now, my leadership team, we're, we're going through the four disciplines of execution um, for educators. They, they just made one for educators. It's a smaller version of the, the big book, but um, it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to that'll really help us here in the short term. Jackie, you have anything you wanna to add to that? Um, well, I stole that idea from you last year (laughs) and we did a, I did a book study with, uh, with one of my leadership teams and I found that that was really effective, um, as well. And that was a a great idea. We did the 360 degree leader, Mm. um, because I wanted my, uh, my team to really think about how are they leading across, um, cause I was working with like our, our department heads, our SALs, um, and, and I, and I wanted them to grow as leaders. So I used that book, but I thought that was really effective. Um, I also want to touch on something that Nate said in regards to, um, his assistant principals being able to delegate their tasks, um, or the things that are on, on that fall under their, um, responsibilities, I think it's important. Um, I think it's really important. And I think it's awesome what Nate does to, to let them know it's okay to delegate, right? Because I think so many leaders struggle with delegation because when you're when, when you're delegated something, right. When something is like when I was a assistant principal and a, and a task was delegated to me from my principal, I assume that's, that's my task now, right. I have to own that. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's awesome to tell the people, um, that, that we're working with, it's okay to delegate this, right. That is a leadership skill that you need to learn. Um, and I think that there's something, something amazing about the way Nate does that. And I'm going to steal, steal that idea from you, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this is all about. So let me, well, let me ask you this, uh, Nate, what, what do you do when you have um, one of your leaders delegating practically everything and not, and not doing any of the work to the point to where it becomes a detriment uh, to that individual's leadership? What does that conversation look like? So fortunately for me, I'm having, I've been experiencing the opposite to Mm. where they're not delegating enough, kind of going back to what Jacqueline's saying, as far as they, they still feel it's their task to own. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually having to do a lot of coaching in the opposite direction, as far as you can delegate that, you know, they, they get overwhelmed looking at their, at their list of roles and responsibilities. But when I sit down and, and explain to them what, what they're responsible for. I also say, and you could, you know, you could use a committee for that. PBIS, form a committee for that. Mm. Clubs, 
form a committee, form a club committee, right? Mm -hmm. um, so again, I, I'm still working through with my young administrators how to delegate. Um, I haven't gotten to the point yet where they're they're delegating so much that I'm asking them to reel it in. But really, um, if I if I do come across that situation, um, it's just going to be more of a conversation to where, as long as everything is moving in the right path and we are able to progress monitor what is going on mm -hmm. and that that leader is present to make sure that that initiative stays within the guardrails of where we're trying to go i'm okay with that delegation now if it's getting to a point where everything is delegated and there's no tracking and no progress monitoring and that initiative or that program has just gone totally off in left field mm -hmm. well then that's a different conversation right because now you're not just delegating you're just giving that task away um, when you're delegating you're still responsible for the end result of that mm -hmm. so just making sure that administrators are clear that because you delegate a task doesn't mean that you're not responsible for the end result as principals we know everything in our building falls on us at the end of the day whether we don't delegated or not, our name is on it. So just making sure that our our administrators understand that as well is really is really key. If I could add, if I could add to what Nate has said, so he's dealing with the opposite of that. Well, I have dealt with when a, a person has um, given too much away. And I and and the question that I have asked, and it may not have been a um, assistant principal, but it's been a, 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 a coach. And one of the questions that I've always um, had them always keep in mind was if there comes a point to where you can't successfully, you know, give a progress update on whatever it is that you've delegated, then that means to me, you've removed yourself far too far from the process. Yeah. Wow. If you can't give me a, and I'm talking about, again, this is what I've learned from some, some principals who, who I've worked under. If you have to consistently tell me, your supervisor, let me get back to you. Let me check on that. That means you don't have a finger on the pulse of the process, of the initiative, of the situation. That individual should be able to give you an update about, as you said, are we staying within the guardrails? Are we staying within the parameters of what we discussed to get the job done? They should be able to do that. And if they, and if they cannot do that, then that means that they have delegated to the point to where they're now removed from the situation, from the task, so to speak. And now we have to have, a, have conversations about what it is, you know, the true definition of delegation versus you know, task removal. Gotcha. So I, I, I want to, I want to switch gears here a little bit because I, I, we, we definitely touched on <clears throat> everything from the principal perspective, but I kind of want to go back um, and, you know, myself, Dr. Francis and, and Jackie, last year we were all APs. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to, you know, talk to the AP who feels or may feel like, Hey man, I have a lot of work that I'm already doing. And it's really hard for me to be an instructional leader, 
process discipline referrals and just my workload kind of prevents me from being effective at everything, right? I have that perception um, that it is. What what do we want to say to the up and coming APs who want to be principals or aspire to be more that are in that situation? How do we navigate that? Have a conversation about those concerns with your supervisor because nine times out of 10, that supervisor, that principal has had those same feelings in that role. Mm-hmm. And so really having those comments. And then when you have that conversation, your principal can share with you some of the ways he or she, you know, conquered that to-do list, so to speak. But if you don't have it and continue to just take it and take it and, and try to multitask, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, don't be afraid to have that conversation to, to say, I could use some support in this. Tell me what you've done when you've been, you know, given these multiple tasks and duties and responsibilities to do. How did you do it? How did you calendarize things? How did you or- organize from the most important to the low-hanging food? How did you do it? You got to be able to have, you know, you know, have no fear in into having that conversation. I would say start there. And I think another um, a conversation that I had with a with a principal um, that I worked with when I was an AP was I was owning, like I said earlier, um, I owned all the things that were delegated to me, and I didn't, you know, realize that I could you know, delegate them to other people. Um, she asked me to do them. So I'm going to own that. Right. Um, but one conversation that I had with her when I got so overwhelmed was what are you okay with me delegating? Right. Like that was a question I asked her because I was like, I can't do all of this on my own. I need some help. Mm. What, what do you need me to own personally? And what are you okay with me sharing to some of our teacher leaders, you know? Um, and I think that's an important question because as, as, as the principal, you know, there are certain things that I, when I give it to my AP, I want my AP to do that because there's a reason I asked her or him to do that. Right. But then there are other things that, um, you know, I don't know if it was Nate or, or Corey that said it like form a committee for clubs, form a committee for PBIS or whatever it may be. Um, but this task, you know, you need to do sort of situation. Um, but asking that question, mm-hmm. I think that's an important question. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, three things that, you know, the delegation we've all been talking about is is one of those things. But then the other two in my mind that assistant principals Will, would help is prioritizing and organizing. So um, in another episode, I talked about my to-do list, right? And and that's the way I keep things organized. I have a to-do list. I have my, my Outlook calendar. Um, so it's the way that people get organized, it's different for everybody. What, what I do might not work for, for somebody else, but I tell my assistant principals, find the best possible system that you can We lost them again. 
Nate, we lost you again. You said find the best possible system to keep yourself organized. And then you need to prioritize the task. Pardon me? No, you said the uh, last thing we heard you say was uh, find a system. Yeah, you have to find a system and, and prioritize an organizational system that works for you mm-hmm. and then prioritize your tasks. Um, some things can wait till the next day and some things need to be done that day. Right. So determining what what your level of priority is for your tasks is important. And then again, thirdly, like we've been talking about that delegation piece. So those things that are what what's something that I need to do, and that are conversations with your principal, and what are some of these things that I can that I can delegate to somebody else? Right, and, I, and you know I, I fundamentally believe that it comes down to um, mindset as well with within yourself. Um, the the truth is there's a lot more than than you can do successfully by yourself. We've all talked about that, but then the work is hard. Um, you know, and not hard in the sense of, you know, it's, it's going to put your life in danger or anything like that, but it's, it's tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, bec- it takes real time and making sure that you approach things with the right mindset after you have those systems in place, your organization, who to delegate to, but making sure that you have the right mindset to follow through with, with what you say you, you were going to do and make sure like, you know, like Corey said, having your, your finger on the pulse and, and knowing where things are at. As we close, uh, this is our last episode in this series for principles, but I definitely want to just take, take some time to give everybody the opportunity to uh, share um, some of their contact information and where we can find you if we want to look you up um, after this episode. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Jacqueline Rao. Same here. You can find me at, on LinkedIn at Corey or Jackson, um, parentheses CJ. And you'll find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Nate Francis on LinkedIn, um, please reach out. And uh, I look forward to being in contact with any of you that want to um, communicate. Absolutely. And also, just, just for good form, you can also find me. Uh, my email is crookjamal at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Jamal Crook. Um, we definitely appreciate our guest hosts and all of the knowledge and wisdom that they have uh, dropped on us um, as a result of these uh, five episodes. We we hope that you've enjoyed all of them. Um, but then again, this is Jamal Crook for Jacqueline Rao, Dr. Francis, and Corey Jackson reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. <laughs>